everyone, I'm Amanda Nielsen, and you're listening to the Tell Me More podcast. This is a show where I chat with interesting people about interesting things. Let's get into it. So my guest today is Tim. Tim and I connected recently because he also hosts a podcast. It's called 10 Items or Less. Go check it out. So he told me a little bit about his story and I knew I had to have him on so you guys could hear it too because it was really entertaining. I think that the theme of this episode is going to be failure. Failure in business, failure in marriage, failure to become a famous reality show star. And then how he recovered and where he is today. So throughout our chat, Tim takes me through his journey of buying a restaurant, getting a million dollar loan at the age of 23 or 24, um, and then screwing it up. Those are his words, not mine. He had this identity in his head of who he was, which was, you know, the head chef of a professional sports team. And he was the owner of like a really cool downtown restaurant. Unfortunately, his pride, his greed, and his lack of overall business knowledge caused his business to fail almost immediately. He was left with no money, a crumbling marriage, and a bruised ego. So we chat about the years following this and how he was able to start again and recover financially. He does admit some guilt in how he handled the divorce after leaving his kids and moving to a whole different state. So he was super honest and real with me and you guys really need to listen and just hear his story from his point of view. It's pretty entertaining at some parts. So also, anybody who knows me knows how much I love reality TV. So Tim gives us some inside baseball kind of information. I think that's the term, right? Um, So at one point he worked for a franchise that was part of a reality show. And we can't say the name of it, but you guys can probably guess it's the one with undercover in it. It is such a good story. You guys have to listen. Like he... Just once you kind of get to know Tim, you know the kind of person he is. Like, all he wants in life is to be famous and to be recognized. And he had this whole idea in his head that he was going to be on this show and he finally made his big break. And then, I don't know, you guys just have to listen. It's really entertaining and I loved it. I was, like, giggling so hard in that episode. It was great. So take a listen. Let me know what you guys think. I really appreciate all of you tuning in. That I heard today that there are over a million podcasts now. So the fact that you're taking time to listen to mine means a lot. I really appreciate it. If you get any value out of it, if you guys like it, please share it on your social media. I want everybody to hear it. Rate it, review it, subscribe, all that stuff. So take a listen, let me know what you guys think, and I can't wait to uh, see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on the Tell Me More podcast. Tim is the host of the 10 Items or Less podcast, and he lives in Austin, Texas. Hey, Tim. How are you, Amanda? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. I'm great. I'm. Uh, we had a little bit of a chat right before we hit record, and I'm kind of very excited to chat with you now. I think this is going to be a good one. You're kind of an interesting guy, Tim. You, you've got <laughs> me worked up in a sweat. I'm sweating over here. I just took off my oh, yeah. <laughs> Take a layer off. <laughs> I actually feel the same way. I just poured myself a glass of wine. Yeah. And I'm like, because we were like chatting so much, I'm like kind of getting excited too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about is business and mainly like the failing in business because you have a pretty interesting story where you've failed pretty hard, you've said, and you've recovered. So I'm kind of curious, like kind of where that all started. So let's start with where did you grow up and what was your story there? I I was born in New Jersey on the East Coast here in the United States. Um, I come from a a wonderful family, my mom and dad. I have a brother and a sister, but my mom and dad, for most of my young teenager to adult life, owned a Italian deli in a little town that we lived by, by the beach. even before that, we've always done something in the food business, if it was catering or whatever. My parents were never going to be millionaires or, you know, make it to the next level. They just did it for the joy of what they were doing. I mean, it was literally my mom, my dad, and me. I mean, I remember literally probably 12, 13 years old making meatballs, you know, for them to sell in the, in the cold cut case. So I did that literally all through grade school, high school, not many paychecks uh, along the way, but my mom and dad hardworking, you know, earned every dollar. You know, my dad uh, really taught me the, the the value of a dollar, which is really, really good. I, I, I really thank him for that. Uh, I don't care how much money you have. You still have to know the value of the dollar. So he's really helped me with that. 
And that kind what of about your story. I don't mean to interrupt, but what about you said you had siblings. So you said it was just the three of you guys working. Where were your siblings? My, they brother, were my brother is four years older and he started his own landscaping business, probably about 14 or 15 years old. Um, literally, oh. literally with a push mower, he'd go around the neighborhood to by the time he was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. My brother was literally making tons of money to this day. My brother still does the same thing, still lives in the same town. And my brother's a multimillionaire just from landscaping. So he went a whole different direction. And then, wow. my, and then my sister, who I love my sister, just like I love my brother, but she's eight years younger. So she was a big mistake. So she, oh. she wasn't even in the picture for most of the part of that. Um, she kind of came <laughs> along at the end, but if she was, she was sitting in her car seat on the back table. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So yeah. you're, you kind of have an entrepreneurial family then, I guess. Hey. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hardworking for sure. Oh, not all the ideas work. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going to get into. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you worked for the family business and you were always kind of into food. So then you ended up going to culinary school, right? Yeah, I had, I, I was always, I'm not very uh, tall. I'm like five, three and a half, literally. I mean, even in high school, I don't think I weighed more than 110 pounds. I was a little guy. For some crazy reason, I always had this dream to be a police officer. Uh, somewhere along the way, my mom's like, Tim, you can't be a cop. You weigh 85 pounds. So <laughs> yeah, so I was one of those kids that weren't quite sure what the hell I was going to do. So I said, shit, I'll try culinary school because I did love to cook. I literally had no no idea what I was going to grow up and be. So I literally at 18 years old said, okay, I'll go. And I went to culinary school, went to a different state, went there for two years. And that's kind of where the last 30 years of my life life has uh, progressed to. So you've been in the restaurant industry kind of your entire life? My entire life. Uh, the last two years of my current life, I, I got out of the restaurant business. I'll finish with that later when we're almost <laughs> done here. But I, yeah, I got out of that. Um, it, it's a wonderful... Uh, occupation to be in the hospitality or restaurant slash bar business. My oldest daughter is doing it right now. I wish she didn't. The problem is mm -hmm. you make a lot of money. You have a lot of friends. You're out at night. You're drinking. You're meeting girls. You're meeting, you know, it's a great lifestyle yeah. for a young person. So it's very, very difficult to stop doing that and say, oh, now I'm going to go do this. So I got caught up in it for a very long time. Yeah. And I think when you're making that kind of money too, depending on the side of the industry you're in. But if you're making all those tips and stuff, you don't really want to go work a regular job because you're like, well, yeah. I'm not going to be making as much money. I don't want to start at the bottom again. That's exactly correct. And it's vicious though. I used to, I don't anymore. I used to, when I was younger, I said, man, this is the loser industry. And I used to be talking about myself, meaning people that had no idea what the hell we wanted to do. So we we went in the restaurant business or hospitality business. And it's the truth. Yeah. And some people are very, very successful at it. And some people are, and some people do it temporary. And some people do it most of their life. I've been very fortunate, like I said, two years ago to get out of it. And I'm now in the grocery business, which is still food, right? Just a whole different, mm -hmm. I never done retail a day in my life. Like I said, we could circle back, but I'm still kind of in the food business, but it's wonderful. I get up at six in the morning. I'm home by 4.30 in the afternoon. There's no three in the mornings. There's no drunk people, none of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although like with this whole COVID thing, you're probably oh pretty busy. Yeah. I've been nonstop for about eight weeks here. Yeah. I mean, very, very, uh, very important part of, I never would have guessed that grocery workers, I have so many people that work for me. They're so, so important. And everybody has been, for the most part, very, very thankful. And we get a lot of compliments each day. So it's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, So let's get to the juicy stuff. <laughs> so, so you were married young. So let's talk about that. So what made you decide to get married so young? And how did you meet? And was it a high school sweetheart? Like, what was your deal with that? Yeah, so in my mom and dad's deli, I used to work, I was uh, in high school, and uh, I, I was fixing to graduate my senior year. And uh, a young lady who worked for a gymnastic gym on the same road where my mom and dad's Deli was, who happened to go to the same high school I did, but I never knew her in high school for the most part, other until my senior year. And then we met and she was a couple years younger than me. I think she, yeah, she was 19 when I was 21. So obviously we fell in love. I mean, I used to see her all the time. She used to come to the deli and she'd help make meatballs and, and those types <laughs> of things. So, you know, and like I said, I come from a family where marriage was normal. You know, I mean, it's great. They're still married to this day. So I, we got married. Um, you know, I uh, said, I'm going to go to culinary school. I moved to uh, Baltimore, Maryland, where I went to culinary school. She followed me. I finished school and we got married. I was 21 and she was 19. Um, the Olympics were just being announced to going to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that year or the next year. And I said, man, I'm, I'm fresh out of culinary school. 
And if I can't get a job in Atlanta with the Olympics coming, something's wrong. So at 23, I think it was at that time, I applied for a job in Atlanta, Georgia, never been there before, went there for an interview. My wife and I drove there. We acted like we had money. I literally remember like ironing my shirt in the parking lot, like with her blow dryer and the, and the car cigarette lighter, you know, went yeah. in there. Long story short, I got the job and I said, holy shit, now what? So then we drove all the way back to Georgia. We packed our stuff up and... Um, I'm sorry, all the way back to where we lived in New Jersey. And then we drove back to Georgia and we moved to Georgia. And then I was very fortunate in a very short period of time of having that job to meet some very lucrative individuals. And I got offered a job as an executive chef for a major league baseball team. Okay. Oh, it was in Atlanta. So right person at the right time. So I I was happened to meet Ted Turner. Uh, I'm not sure if you know who that is. But uh, a long time ago, and he asked me if I was interested in, you know, feeding the team. And I said, sure, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Made me go meet somebody. It was like this backdoor deal. But make make a long story short, I did that for a long time, for 10 years. It was a dream job. Travel the country, huge sports fan. I was making a ton of money at 25, 26 years old. My wife and I, we decided to, my mom and dad now moved to Atlanta, and they wanted to start a business there where I was. So my wife and I, we, we went in business with my parents. We bought like two Buffalo wings slash beer places, nothing fancy, uh, two, two different little towns. So my, me and my wife ran one. My mom and dad ran one. We were pretty successful, but same thing. We were never going to become rich. My mom and dad weren't the greatest at it. Okay. So what do you mean by that? Like, what weren't they the greatest? Oh, I think we did it just to make some money. You know, they were never going to be, you know, let's grow this to 25 locations type stuff. Mm. Um, I think a lot of their mistakes are going to be the mistakes that I'm going to share with you that I did. Um, And and looking back now, um, yeah, it's definitely what I did. So we, uh, we bought into those restaurants uh, that kind of went away in a couple of years. We, we got rid of one. And then of course I got greedy and, you know, male ego. I said, I'm the greatest chef of all time. I work for major league baseball. I'm a big deal, blah, 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 blah. Let's go get a loan and open up a real fancy restaurant. So we went through, so the, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, sorry. In this time, did you guys had little kids, right? So you guys were like running this business while you had little kids at home or how was that? So my first daughter was born when I was 24. Okay. So she, uh, she was literally just getting born when we got out of the business with my parents and we're going for the million dollar loan for the fancy restaurant. Oh, okay. Okay. So that took a good amount of time to get that to go through and all that. I mean, it wasn't like it happens overnight, but there was a lot of planning. We had to find real estate. We had to, you know, we had to go find the place we wanted to buy, developing. My parents were very helpful. But like I said, it was really greed and it was really me thinking that I can do this. And I'm not quite sure why I thought that. (laughs) I'm not quite sure. And then so we we bought this real fancy place downtown. I mean, the place has been there for many years. You know, me again, young, cocky child, we're going to do this. We're changing the menu. Uh, I, I mean, Amanda, I remember when we first opened, I fired the chef and my wife's like, Why? my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, honey, I went to chef school. We don't need a chef. <sighs> like, oh my God, that's so stupid. You, you know, we have to run the business like your parents run it. You know, we run the front and somebody runs the back. And I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'm a chef. I got buddies that will come here and work. So we fired the chef. And then that turned into, you know, like I said, there's a baby, you know, and she's got to go home every day or, you know, do we get daycare? Do we not get daycare? Normal stuff that people go through. But now we have this million dollar loan over our head and and now we have no customers. Okay. So, so now- how do you, as tw- a 24 year old or 25, how do you get approved for a million dollar loan? Like what kind of, coll- like, how does that work? A lot of collateral, some houses, some money, some past history. Like I said, we were in partners with my parents. So I had other, you know, I had some other stuff from, from, from the beginning of trying to apply for that loan. Um, you know, it was a lot of uh, taking a chance on us, whoever decided to do that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that would happen nowadays. Cause like back in the day, like not like this was that long ago, but it was easier to get loans. Was it not? It was, it was, um, I, if I, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of n- nothing different than now, as far as give us your tax returns, give us your income statement, yeah. get your credit. But I remember it was more about your business plan. Then I, I don't, I haven't yeah. done it in forever, but I remember yeah. we had to sit in front of multiple boards and say, this is our plan. Literally somebody has to believe in you for that right. type of thing to happen. And, and, right. it, ha- and it happened. So that was awesome. 
<laughs> and did you have a partner like with that um, the restaurant or was it just you and your wife? So it was me and my wife. And then I had some brain surgery idea right before we were going to be done to uh, invite a friend. He wasn't even my best friend. The guy lived in my neighborhood, him and his wife. And I said, hey, you guys can be, you know, 25% owner if you're interested. I just need you to give, you know, so much of this money. Maybe it was for refurbishing or whatever. It wasn't for the loan. It was just to get involved. So now, gotcha. here, so now here I go. Two people we like to drink with, hang out with. I pull them into. They don't have a child, so they. I pull them into it. So now we're like four of us think we're king of the world, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it starts off pretty rocky. Um, like I said, I fired the chef. We're gonna do a new menu. Um, you know, there's no business. My wife can't be there. My buddy's wife is like, I don't can't remember what she did, but she can't be there. So, you know, he's there when I'm not there and vice versa, we're covering each other. Half the time I show up, the guy's drunk upstairs and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? This is, we didn't do this, you know, for a nightclub. So make a long story short, he went through a lot of marital problems. He, he actually went disappeared, disappeared for a little bit of time. His wife, <laughs> yeah, his wife uh, said that he's not allowed to work there anymore and we can keep the money. And I said, well, that's not, we, I can't do that. I mean, this was literally within six, seven months. He wrecked his car. I mean, it, it was just terrible. And now I'm trying to be the adult, you know, and keep things going. But mind you, like you were young too. Like oh, yeah. 20, oh yeah. That's really young. Yeah. In the meantime, my mom and dad, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Business, how's everything going, Tim? I'm like, oh, it's great. We're doing wonderful down here. Yeah. You know, don't worry about me, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. I don't know how we're going to buy milk for the kid, but yeah, we're doing okay. We're ha we're having a hell of a good time. I remember that. So I did want to ask you, like, was a lot of it, did a lot of it have to do with ego and pride? And like, I, I'm, you did kind of touch on it that I'm this big hotshot restaurant owner. Like, was that kind of what you put on yourself as your identity? Like, this is me. I'm going to do this all day long. So this was literally, this was my dialogue. I'm the chef for the Atlanta Braves and I own a restaurant downtown. Who do you yeah. think you're And like, I'd have, you know, players where you come from. I mean, we're, people that are in the hall of fame today, you know, coming and hanging out and we'd be doing pit. I mean, and the girls and the partying and yeah, like I literally thought, and like you said, very young that I was the shit. Yeah. <laughs> You know? That's a lot of um, like power, I guess, to have at like at that age, just to, like, and then like looking back in hindsight, it's like you just screwed it up, and it's like, oh, oh of God. course you did. You were twenty four, twenty five years old. Like, Listen, you can't be trusted with that amount of money and that amount of responsibility. That's insane. We made it two years, and I don't even know how we made it that long. Uh, you know, like I said, I fired the chef. I remember we had no business, and. Um, my wife's like, well, we got to start doing, you know, coupons and, and all that stuff. I'm like, we're, we don't do coupons. We're, 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 we're the Demanskis. You know, my mom and dad would roll over in their grave and they're not even dead. We don't give away stuff, the value of the dollar. So it was a whole lot of pride, but not a whole lot of common sense. And then, right. What, what kind of restaurant was it? Was it a high end? You said it was high end. Um, it was it was on the fancier side. It was more of, a, I guess, a good word nowadays or back then would be called more eclectic. It was very sexy. The name of it was called Cherry. OK, so everything was red and velvet and hardwood floors and dark. And it was like a real hip, like ten dollar drink. And that's 25 years ago or 30 years ago. You know, oh, what I mean? wow. Yeah, so really yeah. like cool, like the place where you go to be seen. And, you know, here's little old me who thinks he's the greatest thing of all time, just running it into the ground. I think it really went really sour is when like I knew we were going down and then I had a ton of people in Atlanta reach out to me, a very hip hop scene in Atlanta and said, hey, we want to use your place as a nightclub. We're going to give you $5,000 a night guaranteed. But we're going to we're going to run the door. We're going to charge people to come in. We don't even want you to do food. And we're going to do thirty to forty thousand dollars a night. And I said, holy shit, this is going to be great. So I went yeah. home and told my wife and my half drunk buddy who really never came back to work, I don't think. And I said, <laughs> we got, we're going to do this to save the business. Well, to sum it all up for you, within a very short period of time, I became the number one African-American nightclub in downtown Atlanta <laughs> within a month. <laughs> what? OK, so it did it did work. So what happened there then? So it worked and a lot of money was coming through the door, but I think between paying off, I mean, I remember we weren't doing food. Okay. So the menu was done. I, I wasn't wasting money on buying food to, for the guests. Like servers now became bartenders or beer tub girls or shot girls. 
My wife was literally running like the valet service out front, which we didn't even have anywhere to park cars. We were just trying to pocket money everywhere we could. But in the grand scheme of things, all I was doing was giving all this money back to the promoters and they were making more money than me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like your story is like just teaching the whole audience like what not to do. This 1000%. And I can't tell you how many times the cops fights. I'm like, oh my God, somebody's upstairs with a gun. I mean, it was just, it literally come to a point where I was like, we, I'm done. Like my life is over. And then even for another twist, Amanda, I was like, you know what? We can recover from this. We stopped doing those parties. It was a bad image. We scared away anybody that was ever going to come there. Okay. So I had, I had a young lady that worked for me and she went to go hang up her coat and she put her coat on a hanger and the hanger was put on one of those sprinkler valves that you see in the ceiling in the mall or Walmart or whatever. And okay. when she put the hanger on the sprinkler valve, it popped a little piece of glass and it set the sprinkler alarms off for the entire building. This is 16,000 square foot house is what I literally bought. It was just converted into a restaurant. And now the entire house is flooding from top to bottom with literally <laughs> hundreds of gallons of water coming out a second. And I am like sitting there and, and the young lady is crying, like, please don't kill me. And it was just her and I were getting ready to open. And I could literally say my life was over. This is this is it. I'm done. <laughs> I have really screwed this up. Water, I mean, so much water damage. You name it, it happened. We were closed for weeks. I did get some insurance money back and was able to salvage some. But at that point in time, I don't think we lasted too much longer. And I remember coming, uh, the last straw was, a really good family friend. His name is Mark Anthony. I, don't, I mean, he's just a super guy. He's a little bit older. Like the singer Mark Anthony? <laughs> no, no, but he's, he's a character. And uh, he used to, he, he's, a, he's a raging alcoholic. He worked for me for free if I could give him all the rum in the world. The guy's literally, I think, a pirate. So he would do all my <laughs> dirty work. If I said somebody needed to get thrown out, Mark Anthony would do it. You know, he's your guy. Yeah, and, him totally. and I him and I met there one day. And he said, hey, boss. And I said, what's up, buddy? And I, I remember walking up this big front stairs we had. And he says, what's that pink notice on the front door? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was the government or whatever it was. The state seized my property because I didn't pay something. I was way behind on my rent. And they chained <laughs> up the doors. And I remember crying and calling my mom and dad. And my mom and dad were like, you told it was fine. Everything was fine. <laughs> Last we heard, you were a big shot. <laughs> I was. I was not going down without a fight. <laughs> so... Needless, so, needless to say, that did not do well for my marriage. That's And that's kind of what I was just about to ask. So before all of this happened, like, did you guys have like a pretty strong marriage to begin with? I guess it was still really young and early, but. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, the beginning was, I was married a total of 13 years. And to be honest with you, probably the first six or seven were fine. I think things started getting a little different as I thought I was a bigger big shot, in my opinion. I completely, I wouldn't take all the blame, but I definitely was the one that screwed up the marriage and screwed up this whole thing with my kids and all that my entire life. Um, However, by the time the marriage was over 13 years later, we were both in agreement. We were totally two different people. So I I did get married too young, but there's a whole lot of mess in between. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure the financial stress couldn't have helped. (laughs) Yeah. It got, and got having selfish. She got, she got selfish. I got selfish. I would be like, I'm not coming home tonight. We're too busy. And I'd be out drinking or in, in the bar with a bunch of girls having a good time. And then if she was there, she'd be like, no, too, you're not having the only fun. I'm not coming home. You stay home with the baby. And that, you know, by this time, there was another baby coming. So it just got very selfish. We were out to hurt each other. It got ugly. She knew and we both knew. It, it, we were done. We were finished. <laughs> yeah. I think as soon as you start doing that, like playing the game of like, no, I'm going to stay out. No, I'm going to stay out. That's when you know you've got trouble. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good at all. <laughs> so, so so, you did mention to me when we talked before that like you're you're currently married again. Um, I am. So all, all this fell apart. Um, yeah. I uh, shortly after that, it was a don't quote me rough year, eight months up to a year after that. Um, we were getting divorced. I left the house with the wife and the kids and the, and the, and the, the restaurant chained up by the government. So I so, just, I, sorry, I just, go ahead. Um, so you obviously had to, um, like, did you declare bank, like corporate bankruptcy or how exactly, like what exactly happened there with well, that, I, that big I screwed, loan? I screwed that up too. So, so, <laughs> so, the, so, so the restaurant failed, right? We know it's done. We're, we're not going back there. It's all locked up. Um, 
I don't know. Again, I, I was too egotistical, too proud of myself. I'm not going down with a fight. Realized that the marriage was shit. I remember coming home. We're still married at this point. And right before this, Amanda, we bought a $40,000 in-ground swimming pool at our brand new house that we just bought a year ago. Okay. Oh, no. I think I've been in the pool twice. And then we were, we were sitting by the pool, really depressed, upset that all this happened. And out of nowhere, I said to my wife, I said, I don't love you anymore. I want to get a divorce. And I don't, and I'm sure you know this. The minute you say that, you can't retract that. And, yeah. and man, I think within six hours, I never lived there again. <laughs> wow. So it got really, really bad. So my girlfriend, so then, like I said, back up a minute, the eight months was very difficult after that. I remember literally living in an apartment for like $600 a month. It didn't even have windows, you know, trying to get my life back, still hanging out with my buddies that I probably should have ditched a long time ago, Totally. <laughs> you know, never really ever fell into drugs or alcoholism, never went down that rabbit hole, which is really good. Never had a substance problem or anything like that. Um, I was always too, you know, too confident to have those issues. But then, yeah. I, and then I rekindled with a girlfriend uh, after that. And the girlfriend that I rekindled with happened to be that somebody worked for my mom and dad and me when I was in my high school, late high school, early marriage years, right before I went to culinary school. So she was actually, uh, she's 10 years younger than me. She was for all tense of purpose, purpose or whatever the phrase is. She was my kid's babysitter for a couple of years. Okay. So but there's, I know, I know I'm laughing, saying about it. And I'm sure she's downstairs trying to listen to me. Um, there was a period in between, and I just need to make this clear that she was married and I was married. So it wasn't like I left my wife for my kid's babysitter. Okay. Cause that's like the good part. I was hoping it was like a juicy story. No, no, no. There's a good part. There's a good part. She was only married for about seven months. Once I got divorced, I called her and she literally filed for divorce. So you can, you can read between the lines too. She was only married a very short period of time and had no kids. So it was very, very easy. But so you know, did you guys always have when she was babysitting your kids? Was there some sort of connection there that you could both feel or what? was Always, that? always. But you have to understand when I was 27, she was 17. You know, yeah. that's that's a big difference. Now that I'm almost 50 and she's almost 40, it's not that big of a deal. So right. never quite sure in my eyes, like, do, do you go this route or not? And as I yeah. got a little bit into my 20s or or close to my 30s, um, you know, I was divorced by 32. So as I got to my 30s, she's now 20, 21. You know, I remember becoming very good friends with her family. And she was very close with my mom and dad. She worked for them for years. She literally, she would come to our house for Thanksgiving without even me inviting her. My parents would invite her. So it became, there was a lot of, a lot of friendship along the way. And then of course, obviously there was something there because yeah. in my deepest sorrow part of my life, I reached out to her. <laughs> yeah. That, that definitely stands for something for sure. Yeah. And we've been married about eight years now. It's fantastic. But there's there's been a lot of rough years along the way from even when we, we were together, boyfriend and girlfriend, not, you know, when I got divorced, I, I couldn't take living there, Amanda. I, I, I would go over to see my kids and people would be swimming in my swimming pool that I paid for. And like yeah. my wife wouldn't even let me go in the back of the the yard or unlock the gate. And I'm like, I just paid for that pool. Like I'm here to see my kids. And you know, my, at that point, my kids are seven and three or whatever they were, you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, yeah. And, and dad's the worst. Dad's a piece of shit. So, you know, neighbors, but would, in their defense, yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I get it. I get it. And neighbors would be shunning me. And, you know, so I did a very selfish move and, you know, thing. And I, me and my new girlfriend, we moved, I left, I moved, I moved. So and you ran away. away essentially. Yeah. I just left. Yeah, and we were you just kind of like fuck this. If I'm not going to be able to like spend time with my kids, and everybody thinks I'm an idiot, I might as well just get out of here. Like it's easier to run. One hundred percent. Well, I I was struggling finding happiness, and like I said, this wasn't a week later. This is eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, even thirteen, fourteen months later of being divorced. Like literally yeah. now, divorced. We're like I could not find any groove of happiness for my own self, and all I wanted to do is see my kids. But it was, you know, and I get it now. It's been years, and I'm not afraid to say it. The whole scorned woman thing, and she, yeah. and, and I get it. It happens all the time. And, but, you know, to live that way and be that miserable, I was like, I have to get out of here. I have to better myself. So I, I literally got a job, you know, far, far away. They sent me to uh, Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> I never lived there a day in my life, but I, I had to take it, you know, and yeah. I, this is a new start for me and my girlfriend, which who is my wife now. But I mean, yeah. I remember, you know, 
fill in the blank here. I remember living out of the car because we had no money, but acting like we still did. You know what I mean? So she's the one, my, my wife now, who really made me realize it's nothing to do with that. I love you for who you are. We're going to get through this. I mean, I speak very highly of her. I always will. And, uh, you know, things work out for a reason. And that's, it's funny because I tell people all the time, divorce, I don't come from a divorced family, so I don't know anything about it other than what I did, but it's, yeah. it's okay. You have to be happy. <laughs> so do you, you still, like after you moved with your, your current wife, you still had that whole ego and pride thing. Like you hadn't quite learned that even then. You were well, like, I, I was getting a little clearer picture because I literally had very little money. I think there was even a part of my time in between all there, Amanda, where I had to wait tables. And I'm like, who the hell am I? This guy who had everything waiting tables, but I had to, you know? But the thing is, you didn't really ever have anything, did you? Like you kind of, you had the presence of having everything and like you were able to, to pretend that you did, but like you didn't own the restaurant really, the bank did. And you, you know, you know what I mean? No, I I own nothing. The house, the swimming pool. I used to have a really, you know, nice car, all that. I own nothing, you know? And yeah, there was yeah. nothing that I owned. I thought I did. You know, the only thing that really I felt really accomplished for, and I just, and I got this, was the job that I got for Major League Baseball. But that was also the catalyst of thinking I'm the greatest. <laughs> That's the thing that almost, that was like that, ooh, I'm the best. Like now I, I deserve this. Like, look what I already have. Like, it's only going to go up from here. Yeah, I, I mean, 24, 25 years old, I remember $13,000 a week sometimes in, in paychecks. And I'm like, yeah. who makes that at 24 years old? You know, so yeah, I mean, dangerous. yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> you know, it's like what you see with like, you know, like Justin Bieber or something. Everybody's like, why is he such an asshole? Or, you know, it's like, well, you give a little kid that much money and that much power. What do you think is going to happen? It's sort of in the same reign, right? Like 100%. And there is so many things. If we were sitting here having a drink that I could probably tell you that I even forgot to tell you that, yeah, the, the way these things have unfolded in my life from then to now are incredible. And you're right. The Justin Biebers or the athletes of the world. It's very difficult to be that young with all that money. I couldn't imagine. I mean, what yes. those guys go through and that's, they have zillions of dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing Like you were on a way smaller scale and these people actually, you know, had that money. You had a glimpse of that lifestyle until it, it was gone. I was kind of thinking, and I, I don't know, like, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but cause you mentioned that you're pr- really short and there's that whole short man syndrome thing. Like, do you think any of that stemmed from when you were like, like, did you get bullied or picked on when you were a kid and that's what made you be like well look at me now I'm a big tough guy like was any of that in there no you would I, I I've gotten that question a million times I am the complete opposite if I didn't tell you I was short I, I speak very loud I'm a overconfident person it is I would never- have had no idea honestly like yeah. even I look on your Facebook I you, you can't even tell that you're short like yeah, you don't like, see I have yeah like I have never had that challenge in my life I've always been Mr. Sociable you know, never bullied, always part of every, like I said, I used to have friends that were drug addicts. I had friends that were smart people. I had, you know, girl friends right. that were whores. I mean, I, I, everybody was my friend. It didn't matter. So I was okay. never like an, you know, insider or outsider kind of guy. I've always been very social. Like I loved going to school. You know, I, I thought it was a social event. I didn't do very well at school, but I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, what do you think made you want to prove yourself so much? Or was it just that whole we're going to call it the Justin Bieber mentality of just like you got really excited about. I've, the- I Honestly, I can say now and probably the last five years, I think all that came from trying to make my mom and dad proud because I used to watch my mom and dad work day and night for, mm. for, for us to just get by. Now, don't get me wrong. We were not poor by any means. We had a very good life. We had wonderful right. life. We were way yeah. better than poor, but my dad, he would, he would open and he'd close every day and he never would take a day off. And his, you know, I'd be like, dad, why, why can't you take off? Why can't we go to a game? And he'd be like, Tim, the rent's the same if we're open or closed. So I'm going in. So I think a lot of it was just to prove to them that look what you made me into, which obviously, gotcha. which obviously backfired. <laughs> I totally understand that. Actually, I had that conversation with my parents a couple of years ago because they were very similar. Like they were, we never took vacations as kids. We didn't struggle for anything. I always had food and, you know, a nice house and everything. But like, it's because they work so hard. My dad had three jobs at one time and stuff. But the, 
like my mom was raised on welfare like they had no money so then you know she did way better she worked really hard and and I told her one day I'm like well just look the next generation look at me like I'm doing so good and I'm gonna be the best and like just talking to her like I kind of understand what you mean is like just proving to your parents that you can like look what I'm doing I'm just like doing so good because of you know you or yeah. whatever yes yeah 100 I remember like when I like I said I wanted to be a police officer she talked me off that ledge and when I told her I would try culinary school, her eyes lit up because that's kind of all we really knew, you know. So that yeah. would, and I and I don't ever regret it. I think it was the greatest thing I've ever done. And uh, you know, I guess so. I was just trying to prove to them that all the things that they've taught me or worked hard for was going to pan out. And they don't look at me as a failure by any means. I'm sure they'd laugh it off now, but it was a difficult <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it just kind of shows like that you can't just like everything is going to take hard work and like you can't just open a restaurant and it's going to do well. Right. There's a lot more to it, obviously. hundred percent. And there's, and it's and probably the biggest mistake people make is that they just think it's a lot and it is a lot of fun, but if you don't have a lot of deep pockets and I just had that loan and that's all I had, it wasn't a little place that I bought. You got to have money. Imagine the people what they're going through today. Right. My mom, oh. and dad, my mom and dad couldn't survive today. If everything was shut and quarantined, we'd be out of business. I, I can't even imagine. Like, I think when everything finally does start opening up, we're going to see a lot of like closed signs, cl like closed for good signs. Yeah, it's tough. I want to talk a little bit more about the kids and the divorce, and then we'll get on to some other interesting things. So when you left everything, mm -hmm. did you have a relationship with your kids still or did that like damage that? And then what is the relationship that they now have with your current wife? Is there kind of anger there because of their mom influencing them? Like what's that deal like? Well, they're, 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 they're 24 and 20. They are born on the exact same day, four years apart. So they share a same. Yeah, it's very odd. And my whole story is crazy. So they have the same exact birthday and uh, they're, they're born four years apart. So the joke is I got laid once, twice, four years apart, whatever you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually around the Super Bowl, I think, on both times. But anyway, um, my oldest daughter, and I may have the ages wrong a little bit, but I think she was like seven or eight. And I think my younger daughter, by the time everything was said and done, was like two or three. So she didn't really know too much of the difference. Um, it was a real tough uh, blow for my older daughter now. Um, um, she was seven. She was daddy's girl. I was her softball coach, basketball coach, you know, anything and everything we could do, we do it together. And you got to remember, I worked for major league baseball. So, I mean, I would bring her to the stadium. She'd run the bases, things that people couldn't do, you know? So we had yeah. a really strong rapport. She was very uh, tomboyish. Um, she took it terrible. I mean, there was a long part of my life, Amanda, where she wouldn't even speak to me. And then, uh -huh. and then, and then we did, and then it got really bad again. And then I can honestly say in the last three to four years, uh, probably three, uh, her and I's relationship is much better. It is nothing that I would ever dream it could be. I wish it could be more, but I take it every day as much as I can. Uh, she is at least very respectful, calls me on my birthday. Like there was years that that never even happened. I never, yeah. I never once stopped trying or attempting or, you know, uh, as much as her and her, or her mother and I feuded for years and years and years, you know, it was always about the kids in my in my eyes. And it necessarily wasn't always the end result that I wished for. But I always had hopes and dreams that one day as they got older, things would change and it has changed. Um, I, I, I've missed so much of their life in the middle. Like I said, it's sad to even talk about. And then, you know, you throw in my youngest daughter who we were very, very close when we were divorced. And then, but she has an older sister who she thinks is the greatest of all time town or her dad's probably a piece of shit, you know, yeah. so then my relationship with her fizzled out mother, no help there. Mom remarried uh, before I remarried, I believe. And thank God. And, and, and it is what it is, but her husband and they're still married was a very good person and never hurt or did anything wrong with my kids. But they realized real quick, too, that they weren't that wasn't his dad. So that helped my relationship a little bit more with my younger daughter. My younger daughter is terrible at school, literally like I don't, like close to not even almost finishing high school at one point. Um, my, my oldest daughter, she never wanted to go to college. Oddly enough, she's a manager for a restaurant, which is great. I wish she didn't do that. But she loves <laughs> it. She loves the money. Um, uh, it's strong, both of my relationships, but there's two, three, four, five days sometimes to go by when I don't hear from them, you know, so it's never going to be the same, but I can honestly say it is getting better. Do they have a relationship with your wife now? 
they're not mean. They're not anything like that. Uh, they're fully aware from their mother who my wife is, the babysitter, I'm sure, in my ex-wife's mind. As yeah. we, they've gotten older, um, my kids are very nice. They'll, you know, we take pictures together. We go on vacations. Or if they come, like my daughter came visit last year. We went on the boat wakeboarding. We have a good time. You know, but do they call her on Mother's Day this Sunday and say, Happy Mother's Day, my stepmom? It, it's never happened. So, yeah. you know, and that, and I take, that's not my wife's fault. That's my fault. So I, I understand that, but it's tough. Yeah. It seems like you take a lot of responsibility for what's happened, but I bet your ex like fed them a lot of, oh, a lot God. of bad tons, stuff tons, tons. Yeah. It's a terrible thing to go through. I don't wish it on anybody. It's very difficult. Both sides. Yeah. For sure. Interesting. I feel like, yeah, I was going to say you kind of had it coming, but that's kind of, no, no, <laughs> you know, like, listen, I, it's been a long time. I'm good. I, I have, I, I've told you 85% of it was probably me for sure. <laughs> totally. And especially the, like, it sucked and it was hard. So you just moved away. Like that's probably not the, that probably didn't help the relationship with the kids. <laughs> no doubt about it for sure. And it was very tough. And I remember my sister who was a little bit older at that point in time when I got divorced and she's like, Tim, what the hell are you doing? Why are you moving to Michigan? And my, and my sister's name's Tracy. And I was like, Trace, I said, if I live here, I'm going to go to jail because, because she was treating me so bad, not let me see the kids. I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, I'm going to go yeah. break down the door to go see my kids. Like I was trying everything. And I said, she's going to make me get in trouble. I said, she's not letting me see the kids. So I got to move on, you know? So, and I did, and I've always regretted that, but I honestly have always said, if I, even if I stayed or lived right next door to her, she still wouldn't have let me. It still would have been terrible, but it probably would have been better for sure. Well, she probably had a lot of hurt, right? So 100%. it's like, it's hard to get over that and forget that and be around that person that caused you that much hurt, you know, when they when even if you have the kids, right? You're like, fuck, I don't care. Like this guy's an asshole. <laughs> oh, no, hundred, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. It's hard to forget that. Alrighty. Let's talk about something more interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so I got, so I, 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 I we got re, uh, remarried and moved to Dallas, Texas. And I got a really good job with a uh, restaurant company that's out of Texas. And the, the gentleman that owned this franchise, he has a ton of them. He came to me one day and said that they're going to be filming a reality show in his restaurants and that they're going to be interviewing people for certain roles. And he thought that I would be a wonderful person for his reality show. So this was really, I mean, not that reality shows ever went away, but this is when all of them were really big. They're all starting to come out. And I said, okay, sure. So this whole film crew shows up and they, they set up this little camp outside in the parking lot and make a long story short, they interview a bunch of people. And then they finally come grab me and say, can we spend some time with you and interview? And I said, sure. And they're like, we're going to be doing this show for your owner. And it's going to be about entrepreneurs. And we know your story. The same story I just told you. They said, we, yeah. know, we know the story and, and he really thinks that you would be a wonderful character on the show. So people can kind of go from like rags to riches, but not quite riches, but got back things back together. And you run all his restaurants and he thinks you'd be a good spot for the show. Do you mind if we interview? And I said, sure. So they interview me. I leave there. I call my wife and I'm like, holy shit, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm going to be on this show, I think. And she's like, shut up. And I'm like, I swear. So we're looking up people's names and stuff. So long story short, two, three days goes by and this lady, I literally still have her on my phone. I don't have my phone next to me though, but let's just say her name was Sandra. It said Sandra California reality show. I saved her number. I was so excited. And she said that I've been chosen for this role in this reality show and that they're going to be coming in the next couple of days. And the restaurant, the owner has agreed to close the restaurant, but they're going to mic me up and they're going to give me a script and they're going to put a whole bunch of GoPros all around the place and on me. And then they're going to have a bunch of actors and people in the store. And then they're going to do days and days of filming of me. And, and I was like, holy shit, this is my big break. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the guy again. <laughs> okay. So like you did not learn from your mistakes. Nope. You still have that whole ego thing. Absolutely. I'm telling all the chicks, I'm like, I'm going to be on the show. You know, <laughs> I just want to be famous. I think is what it comes down to. Right. <laughs> Hence starting a podcast. <laughs> I guess, I guess. Well, that's, yeah, that's a whole different story. So, so, so here they come, you know, there's this great big production. I have no idea what they're doing. We go through days and days of this training, a lot of like cut, redo it. You know, they would be like, Hey Tim, we're going to go put you in the, in the cool, the walk-in box with all the kegs of beer. You know, the owner's going to walk in and he's going to act like he's got to change the beer and you're going to grab the, you know, the, the nozzle that goes on top and, and you're going to squirt beer on him by mistake. And we're going to film that. So there was a whole bunch of that. So 
Really, what I'm telling you, really, what I'm telling you is all reality shows are scripted. But anyway, this is what I'm. Yeah, so you have no. My heart is breaking right now because I watch nothing but reality TV. Yeah, they're all they're all fake, and and then I have have another show to tell you what I'm done. So they're all fake. So we would do that a few times, and they're all done in little snippets. And then I remember the one funny one is they wanted me to go out back with the mop bucket and act like I was having a really bad day. And then when he comes out there, he's going to put his hand on your shoulder and you're going to tell him that you miss running your own business. And this is really, I'm really thankful that you hired me, but, but this, this reminds me of the failures of my life or stuff like that. So I remember reading these. Yeah. So I remember reading these scripts like, Oh my God, this is my big acting career. (laughs) I'm not lying. I swear to you. I remember texting this lady. I'm telling you, I have my phone number on my phone and saying, I'm really interested in TV. Like I was ready. (laughs) Yeah. So we go through the whole thing and it's one of those reality shows that, and, and it's so, it is true. This is true. What I'm about to tell you, I had no idea the guy that I was doing all these scenes with was the owner of this massive franchise that I worked for. So I was fooled. Okay. Who did you think he was? I, well, he, they, they dressed him up. They put like a tattoo on his arm and I have a lot of tattoos. So I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of that way. And he has, you know, long hair. And he was the guy from the studios, what they told me who is going to be doing this reality show with me. You know, like he's the, yeah. So I never really, and I, and it's a God's honest truth. I had no idea it was really the owner of this franchise. So we go through this for days and days and days. And then I keep thinking I'm going to be world famous. You know, I'm telling everybody, my mom again, thinks I'm the greatest kid in all time. So it all comes to an end and they're like, okay, we're going to do a wrap up. And they invite me to this other location. They pick me up in a car. I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting my own. I've made it. I made it, it, man. I am on top of my game. And they bring me to this other location, one of his other locations, just all these tents outside. And then it's like one at a time. There's a few other people that were getting the same kind of things as I was, but I was getting like the main roles, but I didn't know who these other people were. So make a long story short, they're not real people. So so it's to make me think like there's a production going on. So they bring me into this car and they, and they, and and literally it was like walkie talkies. Like you can bring them now. And then they pull up and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. My wife is there. My two best, my best friend and his wife are there. Like we can invite people. They're inside. Everything is all blacked out. Everything is removed. There's this great big camera crew. So, but before we go in, I'm in this tent and they're like, Tim, we want to tell you that you were just uh, chosen to be, on an episode of this show, the undercover show. You guys know what show I'm talking about. And that, <laughs> did you have any idea? And, and at that point in time, I, I didn't. And I was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? So, so excited, but my dreams were crushed. Yeah. Like, what in the hell? I thought I was going to have my own show, you know? <laughs> so, there goes the ego, so there goes the ego again. And uh, so they say, we're going to walk you in there and it's going to be pitch black and you're going to sit at a table and the owner of the franchise is going to walk out and he's going to look like he normally does. And he's going to come up and greet you. So I'm sitting there and I have no idea where my wife and all these other people are at. And I'm sitting there. It's literally one stool, dark room, dark panels and one little light. And here comes the panel opens and this guy walks out and he looks like the guy that I was doing all these scenes with. And he's like, Tim, I'm so-and-so. And And he shakes my hand. I said, oh, great. Nice to meet you. And he goes, do you have any idea who I am? And at that point, I'm like, do I play along or not? And I'm like, no, not really. And then he's like, well, I'm the boss. I'm the owner of this franchise. And I just want to let you know that you're an inspiration to all the things that you've been through in your life and that you run three of my my units and I can't be more proud and there's nobody more deserves this recognition than you. And literally I start crying. He starts, you know, crying. It's all on TV. You know, this is a big taping. So it's really good. So then we pause and then it's over. And then he's like, okay, we got to go back now. And we, you know, we, we kind of celebrate with each other. And then he said, we have to do another scene where I give you your prizes. And I said, okay. So then we sit back down and he's like, okay, same, same routine. And he says, I want to thank you for coming on my show. I'm going to give you $25,000 for you and your wife. And he said to get you back on your feet. He says, I know you drive that really old Jeep out there, right? That really gray silver one. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, part of the prize is I'm going to take your Jeep and I'm going to send it over to um, Gas Monkey Bar and Grill, which or Gas Monkey Garage, which is a, a show uh, that's still on Discovery Channel today. It's uh, called fast and loud. So it's a famous show here uh, in the United States. And he goes, the guys over there in the garage are going to redo your whole entire Jeep. We're going to soup it up for you. 
And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And he said, thank you so much. And I was crying. And he said, now we're going to go out here and we're going to go out into the crowd. And he goes, I'm going to announce to all these people that I was undercover and you are the star. And there's other people there that he's doing some stuff for. And then there's my wife and my friends and confetti. And now I'm back on cloud nine, like I'm the greatest <laughs> thing of all time. And now everybody's like, when's this coming out? When's this coming out? So it was just a big launch party, basically. So it, it didn't come out right then. So let me take a sip of my drink, if you don't mind, Amanda. Yeah, no, go ahead. I think this story is just so funny. I'm like literally grinning because I'm just like loving it so much. Yeah, so so we go through all that and, um, you know, high as a kite, so happy. Like I couldn't be so happier. I'm like up in my head's up in the clouds. I, I mean, on cloud nine, <laughs> we go back to my house, my buddy and his wife, we're drinking. I'm like, this is my big break. They're telling me that I was so, I'm going to be sensational because they showed snippets of it. And, you know, and now it's going to be put in production and the show's going to come out. I'm just making this up two months later. So yeah. life goes, so life goes on. I go back to work. Everybody at work said, hi, I can't believe you didn't know who that was, you know? So it's a lot of fun for the first couple of days. So now I get a call and they say, Hey, we want to take your Jeep. Uh, what, so, what okay. When yeah. you're back at work, are you walking around with a big head? Like oh I'm a cool God. guy. Who are yeah. you talking to? I am the man. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like I'm six foot tall. Right. <laughs> So yeah, and everybody's every and honestly, everybody's so jealous. Like, oh my god, this is so good for you. You know, um, it, it was great. So yeah, I was the guy. So the, so he contacts me and says, Tim, we're gonna we're gonna come get your Jeep in a couple days, and we'll ship it off. And he says it's gonna be gone for quite a while. We'll get your rental car. He goes, but what I need to do is, he says, we're gonna make them picking up your Jeep and whole episode for their show. He said, so I need oh. you to act this as well. And I'm like, You're like my big break. This is my second show. I'm getting signed. So I'm so famous. Yeah. So they shut down the restaurant again. Uh, there's big carrier comes to pick up my Jeep. I'm acting like I'm behind the bar. Here comes the owner, normally dressed now. And he's like, hey, Tim, how are you, buddy? And I'm like, I'm great. And he's like, thank you, man, So for your hard work. He goes, how's the Jeep? And my line was, uh, it's okay. It needs an oil change. So then I say, oh, it's okay. It needs an oil change. And I'm like wiping the bar. It's just me and him, right? That's like, it's supposed to be like, I'm not open yet. And he goes, yeah. well, he goes, well, why don't I do this for you? He goes, why don't I take your Jeep to get an oil change? And I'm like, you don't have to do that, sir. You've done enough for me. And he's like, no, let me do that. Give me the keys. So I throw him the keys. So that's that episode. So then they, they take my Jeep away. My Jeep is gone for months, months. Literally, they told me it'd be a couple of weeks. It was gone for months. Okay. So in between all that, they have to film them redoing my Jeep. So now I got to act like, okay, I, I got to act like they did my car overnight. Okay. Cause that's the basis of the show that they flip these cars in 24 hours. Again, reality TV is not real. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so, now here it is. so now here it is. In, in the meantime, my wife and I have a rental car. They have my Jeep and we're driving by the lot where my Jeep is at, where this famous show is being done. And I'm like, there it is. They put new tires on it. They got a new thing. Like I'm so excited. And um, so now we're getting close to giving my Jeep back. So now we got to film again. So here we go. My third episode, right? So now he, the, the scene is him walking in, giving me my keys back. And he's like, Hey, go outside and, uh, can you move your Jeep or something? And then I walk outside and I'm like, where's my Jeep? It's right there in front of me. And it looks completely different. And he's like, Tim, that's your Jeep. And then I start crying. We start hugging. And then the two famous. So were these real tears? Uh, no. <laughs> so maybe a, little, a, lot of fun, a lot of fun at that point, because I've already been through it at this point. Now I know what it's all about. The first time was real. Cause I didn't know. Okay. So, oh, okay. so I have to act like, like, I think I say, Oh shit. When I walk out, put my hand over my mouth and they're like, no, we got to do it again. You know, I had to do it a few <laughs> different times. So now he gives me the Jeep. I thank him. He thanks me for, again, me portrays me as this poor soul that he's helping, you know, which was great. That's the funny part about it. And then now the two really big stars of the show, they come over and we sit and we have a beer in this guy's restaurant. So obviously it's about his restaurant again. Right. So we sit yeah. there, we're beer, and he's telling me, you know, we modified this, we modified that. Your your crummy Jeep now. We did it in 24 hours. That's what we do on Fast and Loud and blah, blah, blah. And I thank them. And there's a great big party going around in the background. And that's it. So the name of the episode is called Jacked Up Jeep. You can find it. It was on the Discovery Show probably about seven, six, seven years ago. 
I'm sure you can Google it. You'll see a younger, fatter, big hair version of me. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hold on, let me check. Um, like literally, I'm like about to Google it. <laughs> yeah, so you can find it. Uh, so last somebody told me it's on like YouTube. You got to pay like two bucks to watch it, but you'll you'll get the gist of it. So so I did that show, and this is again, Tim screwed some shit up. I said <laughs> I said, oh my god, I didn't really like that Jeep. I'm gonna sell that Jeep because they put their own little stamp on it. Like these guys did it, and this show was literally a top ten show at the time when they did it. And I'm like, I can sell this Jeep to anybody. Anybody will buy that shit with that guy's name on it. So literally, yeah. I sold my $6,000 Jeep for like $18,000. <laughs> I was like, what? yeah, business. I'm a business guy, Amanda. So I literally, <laughs> I think I am. You're just like a hustler, always looking to make money. <laughs> Correct. So I, so I sold it literally within, let's just say, a month or two. Um, made the money, bought myself a red convertible Mercedes with the seventeen down, $17,000 down. I'm getting my life back. I'm going to be a movie star. I got to have a flashy, yeah, well, yeah, you're- I gotta have a flashy car. You know, so Did I mean? your wife at any point ever say like, Tim, calm down or was oh, she on God. board? She tells me that every day. Even doing these podcasts, <laughs> she tells me to shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't listen. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've toned it down. Let's put it that way. So, so Again, I screwed it up. I sold the Jeep. Um, the episode was about to be released from the first part, the undercover part. And yeah. I walked into work and the owner of the restaurant came in and fired me. <gasps> For selling the Jeep? For selling the Jeep. <laughs> you didn't even just... they Okay, so did the the episode didn't get aired then because of that? No, no. They, they, they aired another part of it with a guy that's a dishwasher that wasn't even on the show. <laughs> they, oh my God. They took my part out and I got fired. So just you got fired from your restaurant job because of that. That's crazy. Yeah. So I had to call my wife and say I just got fired after we thought I was on top of the world again. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, like I know we're laughing now, but at the time, like what was going on in your head? Were you like I, devastated? I, I could not believe it. I could not believe yeah. it. And again, I was so upset that I had to call my mom and dad because they thought I was gonna be a movie star. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. So how long? That was six or seven years ago. Yeah, so you recovered. Twelve. Yeah, you'd have to look that up. I'm actually looking it up right now. Like I see that you can, you can definitely get it, and like you have to sign in to. Watch oh, yeah, and it, you'll but. see, you'll see, you'll see the scene of me uh, wiping the bar. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god! I'm. I know what I'm doing as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> So things did get much better after that, you know, which leads me to here. I, I rebounded, got a job real quick. The one thing I can say about the hospitality industry, and I've had probably way too many jobs in my life. That was the first one I ever got fired from. But you can leave a job and get a job very, very quick in the bar and restaurant business. So that is a blessing where if I was a rocket scientist and got fired, I mean, I'm sure there's, there are in a lot of those jobs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that's why a lot of people stay in that industry. Yeah. Mandy, you got me sweating. <laughs> well, it's because you're like nonstop talking. It's great, though. I love it. This is so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm seriously so entertained right now. Like, I don't know if you've listened to any of my episodes, but like everybody who knows me knows I'm like the biggest one for like gossip and like crazy stories. And this oh, like yeah. fits everything that I love, like reality <laughs> TV, failure, success, like everything I could want in a story. Yeah, absolutely. Marriage, divorce, deceit, right? Adultery. Yeah, exactly. Like, did you kill anybody? I need to know more details. No, 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 no. That's never happened. (laughs) Not that I'm willing to share yet. Give it a few years. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I do have a dead person story, I can tell you, but I did not kill the person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, already so it's kind of now you're working you're happy you've recovered you and your wife are obviously doing great you have a job you love do you have any advice for yourself looking back or are you still like like if I walked into your grocery store today and I said we're we're gonna do a reality show about this grocery store what would you do I'm your I'm your guy <laughs> okay so you still like oh, you're still searching it. and reaching you're gonna be famous one what, day somehow some way it's gonna happen <laughs> I don't think it's going to be podcasting, so I hope somebody shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. So you started a podcast recently. That's how we connected. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. It's called 10 Items or Less. Um, I currently uh, got out of the restaurant business, like I told you, and I work in the grocery store. So that's where I got the name from. 
Um, I don't, or I haven't ever been a podcast listener in my entire life. Um, I do and always have had the aspirations to be a comedian. I love comedy. Um, I've never, ever pulled the, the trigger on like an open mic night or anything. I, I, I find myself, oddly enough, extremely funny. Um, so yeah, which is even I get confidence is not a problem over here. Okay. No, I, I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm the same. I'm like, I think I'm so funny and I think I might yeah, be I the only really good comedians are not funny sometimes. I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah. So <laughs> very judgmental. So I, you know, the name came from that 10 items or less. I don't really want to have a podcast that goes on more than 20, 30 minutes just for my own sole reason of, I don't think I could listen to one for that long. Uh, gotcha. I, I do think that I could listen to one like you and I are doing all day long, <laughs> but the few that I've listened to, such as yours and a few other people that I haven't met along the way, they have uh, been very helpful for me and how to keep it going longer. So I think um, as I continue to do it, I've only done five episodes. I feel like I'm getting a little bit better, but I think it does take practice and I, and, and I think it fulfills the, the need or the want that I want to be a comedian. Uh, I've probably come yeah. to terms that I, I'm not going to be on TV anytime soon. So. Hey, man, yeah. there could be like um, a COVID-19 success story reality show, you who, know, like who knows? you never know what's going to come out of it. But that's kind of where it started. And, you know, my um, my wife's my wife listens to him all the time, literally night and day. That's her thing, uh, especially yeah. now she's working from home in her office. She listens to him. So she was like, yeah, I could see you doing it. Um, it yeah. It's been a little humbling. I like it, though. It's enjoyable. It's a good hobby. It is. It absolutely is. That's why I started, too, because like I talk so much anyways. I'm super nosy and I do like I work at a desk job. So I listen to podcasts all day long. So yeah. I'm like. My husband was like, why don't you just start one? I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, why the hell not? Yeah. Like, really? Absolutely. It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely um, interesting. It's hard to get it out there. So everybody listening, please go find Tim's podcast. I will tag it in everything. It's called 10 Items or Less. You can listen to it anywhere. Go follow him, listen, like his posts, all that stuff. I greatly appreciate <laughs> it. need listens. <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, I think we should wrap up here because this has been a long one. It's way longer than your listening listening range. That's okay. I was talking for most of it, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's been awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. And I'll, uh, I hope everybody goes and checks you out. I thank you, Amanda. And, uh, I love your podcast and can't wait to listen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. Who else immediately Googled fast and loud that episode so you could see if we could find him on there. I tried, I found it. I, I don't know if it's because we're in Canada. It's not that easy to watch. I tried to find it. I didn't spend a ton of time, but if any of you guys actually were successful in finding the clip, let me know because I want to see it. Let me know how you did it. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Tim's story is a pretty good one. It's very entertaining and it's just, you know, we all create this identity in our head of who we are and what we are. And it's amazing what we do with that information and how we behave because of it and the mistakes that we make and all of that. So listening to Tim's story was pretty eye-opening and entertaining at the same time. Everybody go check out his podcast. Anywhere that you listen to your podcast, you can find him. So Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, I'm sure, everywhere. Go look him up on Facebook and on Instagram. He's everywhere. I will tag everything in the show notes. Let me know what you guys think. And if you have any comments, um, yeah, hit him up or hit me up. And we want to hear what you have to say. Okay, thanks a lot, guys.